I can hear the slow and steady rhythm of her footsteps coming down the hall long before I see her face. Yet I know it is her. During the course of the last few days, I have heard the rhythm of those footsteps change. Early on, they were full of purpose, hopeful even. A brisk click, click, click of shoes against stiff linoleum tile. But now they are a methodical pressing down of one foot in front of another. Purposeful but drifting, directed but daunted. As she comes up to the room, I can see her pause. Deep breath in, slow breath out. As she pushes aside the curtain and enters the space that holds her son. Instantly, she is greeted by the now familiar cacophony of sound and transported to a world that she had hoped to know nothing about. The high beeps of the machine monitoring the heart rate and blood pressure of her firstborn child. The low, constant whir of the bed as air is pushed into the mattress and signals that it has reached its limit. Then there is the steady hum of the ventilator pushing air in and out of the lungs of the young boy she gazed upon not so long ago as he took his first breaths, announcing his arrival to the world. I work as a licensed clinical social worker in an intensive care unit of a level one trauma center here in the Denver area. And I encounter people in the midst of the greatest tragedies of their life, sitting with people day after day in the, in the depths of trauma illness, and sometimes recovery. The questions that they are asking anyone who will listen come from a very deep and primal place. Help me. Why? Don't go. Stay with me. We are not ready. If only. Perhaps you have known tragedy the kind of personal heartache that has caused you to be in a room like this one, sitting with grief and depth of pain that no one can comprehend. Maybe you have sat with people, with family members or friends or strangers in the midst of unimaginable loss and grief. Or is it that you have been the one to feel such pain and hopelessness, knowing that just what you need depends on the support of others. Many of us have sat with pain and sadness so deep that we have felt like we are drowning, desperately begging for someone with whom such grief could be shared. Lord, teach us to pray. This is the plea we hear from the disciples in Luke's gospel this morning. They are in the thick of it with Jesus. Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem, and already he is journeying on his way to his unavoidable crucifixion and death. This small band of believers, these women and men who walk where Jesus walks, have already come through much together, and they will go through so much more. Together they witnessed the transfiguration and received Jesus' instructions to go two by two to faraway towns and visit with total strangers carrying nothing but the good news that Jesus has shared with them. Such meager offering after risking so much, after abandoning their lives in order to join Jesus on this road. Modest resources, the simple gifts of healing, 
forgiving and touching all kinds and types of people. Last week, we heard of their visit to the home of Mary and Martha, where one sat at the feet of Jesus while the other hustled around the house attending to all those practical needs of hosting a group of people. Jesus honored both women, but in the end, he nodded and said that Mary, who was present to what was really going on around her, had chosen the better part. Lord, teach us, the disciples say now, collapsing next to Jesus, slowly loosening the strap of their sandals, wiping the dust, dirt, and grime from their feet. They sit as Mary sat, shaking their heads from side to side, exacerbated, desperate, searching. How do I get it right? What are we doing? How can I keep going? Lord, teach us. You know that moment, that moment of exhaustion, of fear, loneliness, that slow sinking to the ground. You know the moment of being filled with fury and frustration. You know that hospital room or dining room table or empty house or workspace filled with confusion. Lord, teach us, you have whispered. Teach me. Show me what to do now that I recognize that I am not in charge, that I haven't enough power to fix this, that I don't have the wisdom on my own that I so desperately need. It's about our need, isn't it? It's about coming to terms with the recognition that we are not made to engage every struggle on our own, that sometimes the things we face are more than we alone have any way of managing. Then the plea echoes true. Lord, teach us. It's why we are here, I think, why we gather as a community of believers, why we do our best to listen to the word of God as Mary did. We do not come to scripture in search of an instruction manual, but rather we go there to encounter love and action, to be reminded of the love that God has for us, and the love that we are to share with all. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us. To me, this sounds like, show me your heart and I'll show you mine. We ask God to see us in all our vulnerabilities, inadequacies, and silences. And in return, we meet our God who calls us forth to extend our hands to move our feet in the direction of justice and wholeness, and to open our hearts to all of God's children, to the friend, to the stranger, the foreigner. What is the prayer that we hear the world calling out? I think if we listen to the people of God, we will hear a deep, deep prayer that will require all of us. A life of faith is not motionless and passive, it is alive. A life of faith is God's love lived out. God enters into our places of need, those places where our hearts have been cracked open. It is in those weak places that God brings strength, for there is strength in asking. You and I know that our self-reliance can only take us so far. For us to be truly whole is to be wholly dependent upon God and one another in ways that bind our lives together.
I sit with that mother at the bedside of her son, the child soon to be released from his suffering and pain. She clutches his hand, fingers interlocked. She is gasping for air and then suddenly turns, and her sea-green eyes, now wet with tears, find mine. You know, she says, they tell me that he is able to donate his corneas. After a long pause, she continues, I guess this means that someone will be able to see all the beauty in the world as he did. Lord, teach us. As I remember this mother holding her son's hand and I watch her brush the hair from his forehead, my mind's eye is filled with the soft hands of my young boys. As the night falls each evening, I take their hands in mine, usually sticky from ice cream, sweat, and backyard play. Little bodies are pulled onto laps as we settle in for our nightly routine of prayers and gratitudes. And then we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, they begin. Teach us, they say. Amen.